Hi everyone. Thanks for listening today to the Into News Health podcast. My name is Catherine Cleary and I'm the member and engagement coordinator at the Into News Health Journalism Network. You can find out more about this network and register to become a member by visiting our website at healthjournalism.internews.org. I want to welcome you back to part two of this episode where we are speaking with John Kinsman, a social and behavior change expert from the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control. John is with us today to unpack how journalists can report in ways that better engages people who have not yet been vaccinated. We're going to take a smaller plane now, a little commuter jet. We're going to go to Nigeria where another radio journalist, Babatunde Okunlola, has a similar question to Gideon. Now, Babatunde is asking, what arguments can be put forward to encourage more vaccinations with the emergence of new variants and the drive around booster shots, which do not necessarily mean that already vaccinated persons can't contract the virus again? So I think you, you've touched on this, but is there... I mean, maybe we should start, you know, asking how long do we need to continue vaccinating before the the virus becomes no longer where it's a pandemic and it becomes endemic. I don't know if that's maybe a good starting point for this or or let's I'm going to give it to you. You're the expert here, not me. So, okay, thanks. Um, yeah, this this the, the, the word endemic is, is an interesting one, which we're hearing much more nowadays. It's suddenly are we getting into a stage where the pandemic will be over and, and we can kind of return to an endemic state and get back to normal again. And I would caution against that kind of thinking because what do we actually mean by endemic? Endemic doesn't mean it's not a problem anymore. It just means it's here to stay at a slightly lower level than it was before. And we have another pandemic that's going on right now, which is nowadays rarely in the news. Which one is that? HIV. The HIV pandemic has been going on since the 1980s, and it's definitely still going on. We have antiretrovirals, we have pretty good treatment for it, but the pandemic continues unabated. So let's not delude ourselves, let's not kid ourselves and think that COVID is going to go away and endemic means, oh, we just get on with our lives and forget about it. No, we will be living with COVID for the rest of our lives. That's for sure. The only question is, in what way? We can be relatively confident, certainly here in the EU, where we have pretty good vaccination rates in most countries, not all, but most countries. And we're currently undergoing a huge uh, wave of Omicron. When this is over, this this wave, um, we can probably expect to have quite high levels of population immunity. So we can probably expect, unless there's a big change in the virus, that we'll have a period of peace, a relative peace, of relatively low levels of infection. Um, and that, that situation may be reflected in many other countries, but that doesn't mean it's over. We can expect, and it will happen, that there will be upsurges in the future in certain perhaps under-vaccinated populations, um, and measures may have to be reintroduced to, do, to deal with those. We'll never, be import, we'll never be in the same position that we were in in, in uh, March of 2020 again. That will not happen again because that it was everybody was vulnerable at that stage. We had no vaccine. We had no effective treatment. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We know so much more now. So let's not go to the other extreme and say, oh, it's going to be another disaster because that will not happen again unless something you know absolutely extraordinary happens with the virus, which seems pretty unlikely. But I think we need to be careful when we're talking about using the word endemic. We need to be recognizing that that doesn't mean it's just gone away. It just means it's it's at a lower level and there will be upsurges and 
to a large extent we can move on, but we must not forget about this thing. I also want to go back to um, the, the, the question from Babatunde, which was, uh, I think, also something about why people may not want to be vaccinated again. It's very important to try as a journalist to understand what's driving that feeling that people have. Why do they not want to be vaccinated? And to respond to that. So if as a journalist, I would I would ask them, you know, what's what's making you not be vaccinated? Is it because you mm -hmm. can't get to the health center? Is it because you can't have someone you can't find someone to take care of your kids? You can't afford to take time off work because very often it's about thing, things as simple as that. Or is it because you don't think it's really very important? You're not particularly bothered about it. Like, for example, in Turkmenistan, if there is officially no COVID, people simply may not see it as a com as a problem. They may be complacent. And therefore, if you have low vaccination coverage, it's not surprising that people don't see it as a problem. They're not going to go and get vaccinated. So I think trying to understand why people uh, are not vaccinating is one of the things that you as a journalist can do. That's a great point. Um, so, John, I mean, just talking more kind of about that point, you know, understanding why people don't want to be vaccinated. This is kind of the, the bread and butter, so to speak, of, of the conversation we're having today. Um, I think it's a bit of an elephant in the room for journalists um, that feel potentially a bit awkward or uncomfortable when trying to engage with someone that may not want to be vaccinated. Um, depending on what their reasons are. They could be some of the reasons that you've listed in the sense that they don't have childcare, they may not have transport, they may not be able to get time off from work, those things. They may be a bit more extreme in terms of kind of buying, you know, buying into some of the misinformation and disinformation that we're seeing. But what would you advise journalists in terms of, you know, engaging with, with people that are questioning getting vaccinated? As I say, I think the key thing is to try and understand their reasons. And I would suggest people look at something which we have been working on here at ECDC and using more and more to help us diagnose what's going on in a population, to help us understand why people are not vaccinating um, to the extent that we would want them to be. And that's called the five C's model. And I'll just run you through this very quickly because I think it's a really helpful way to, to frame this. And it's also because it's five C's, you can remember it quite well. The first C is confidence. Do you have confidence in the vaccine? Do you believe the vaccine is safe and effective? Do you have confidence in the authorities and in the health system that's encouraging you to take it? So that's a big one. The second one could be complacency. I mentioned that also earlier in relation to Turkmenistan. If there is no apparently COVID, you may not think it's a problem. And that can apply in many other settings. If you just don't see yourself as being at risk, you're complacent, you're unlikely to go and get vaccinated. The third C could be seen as constraints. And that refers to the issue about structural issues, financial issues, perhaps also language issues. Maybe you don't understand what's going on. The fourth C, calculation. How are you making that decision in your head? What information are you seeking to actually make, make your decision about whether or not to vaccinate? Here, you, the journalists, have a huge role to provide that information. And then C, the, the fifth C, um, which I think is something which is, is largely underutilized and under-recognized currently, is this question of collective responsibility. I think we really, really should be pushing this much, much more. And uh, there's, there's so many people, pr protesters, who are saying, I don't want to be vaccinated. It's my freedom, my body, my choice, and all of that stuff. Yes, it's your body. And to some extent, it's your choice. But equally, is it your body, your choice to 
drink a bottle of whiskey and, the, and then go driving? Is that your freedom? Is it your freedom to drive down the wrong side of the road? No, it's not. Um, and the police will stop you because you're putting other people at risk. And so to some extent, yes, it's your freedom, but you also, through this act, you are impacting on other people. And the public health question needs to be brought in here. It's not just about individual choice. We don't live in islands or caves all by ourselves. We live in a community. And in this particular regard, my behavior can affect you. And it not only can affect you, but it can make you very ill, or if not you, somebody down the chain of infections that may die. Is that what you want to be contributing to on the basis of this my body, my choice principle? Because I think that one is something that as a journalist, you can be promoting more. I think it's a very important point. I think that's a fantastic point. Um, and I think that's something that is very easy to forget. Um, but it's something that all of us definitely need to keep in mind as we continue through this pandemic. You know, there's a lot of people that we live in a society where individual freedoms are taken extremely seriously and instilling that sense of collectiveness, instilling that sense of global community. You know, we see the posters, you know, we're all in this together. You know, when you wear a mask, it's not just for you, it's for everyone around you. And that really needs to be um, kind of brought back into the fore, I think, especially as we're trying to increase vaccine uptake globally. So we're going to get in our plane again. We're going to travel farther east this time to Iraq, where we have freelance multimedia and print journalist Farah Adnan. And now Farah is bringing up the very important topic of fake vaccine cards. Now, John, we know that this is happening all over the world. As much as we hate to think about it, you know, we know it's happening people are resorting to getting fake vaccine cards and even forged negative COVID-19 tests to maintain the same privileges as vaccinated persons in some countries. And what Farah asks here is what plans or strategies should countries put in place to raise awareness about vaccination and hopefully decrease the need for these fake certificates and documents? And now what I'm also wondering here is what role journalists can play to decrease the fears associated with vaccine mandates and vaccination-related privileges? Yeah, thanks. Great question there, Farah. Um, I would say if you're looking at what plans and strategies countries should put in place, I think it's it's a legal issue. It's an enforcement issue because obviously these are illegal certificates. And it seems to me that the authorities should be working very hard to identify the culprits and bring them to justice because this is an activity that will lead to people dying, and it can't be uh, just allowed to continue. If if you're if you're if you're sitting there in an, in your in your as a, as, a, as a decision maker, as a government, as a national authority, this would be the the strategy you need to be taking. I I would suggest it's an enforcement question because it's obviously illegal. In terms of the journalists' roles, again, you may be in in, in some countries. This may be to some extent a security issue for yourself to actually go into this story because it, there's money involved, and where there's where you're as a journalist prodding around in an anthill, trying to find the story and trying to understand what's going on here, the ants might come and bite you. Um, so you need to be careful about how you approach this. As I say, when there's money involved, you need to be careful. But I know that one of the core principles of internews is holding power to account. And this may not be power, but this is money. So clearly there's a role as a journalist to go in and try and understand what's going on here. Taking care, taking necessary precautions for yourself, of course, that's very, very important, but there is a role there. 
And in terms of what role journalists can play to decrease the fears associated with mandates, that's a difficult one because the I mean, I, the, what fears would we be talking about here? The, the... It's the fear of the, the loss of privilege. So it's mm. the fear that if I don't do, if, if I don't get the vaccine because the government says I must get it or my work says I must get it or my child's school says they must get vaccinated, then I won't be able to sit inside at a restaurant, for example, yeah. or travel to certain countries or go work in my office or my, my child won't be able to return to school. So I think it's the it's the fear of, you know, not being able to live a so-called normal life. Mm, yes, I understand that exactly. I mean, well, the obvious response to that is, well, just get vaccinated and then you can do it. It's not that difficult. But of course, there are some people who won't. Um, and we're also where, and this is, I think, where you as a journalist, again, have your role to play. One of the challenges we have here is that people who, for good reasons in their own mind, the people are fundamentally rational here. Even those people who we disagree with, they're doing things because that's what they think is the right thing to do. So I think as a journalist, the important thing here would be not to portray people who don't want to be vaccinated as stupid or uh, whatever, because that puts up the bridge, that puts up the drawbridge, it puts up a barrier for any kind of dialogue. And I think one of the things that uh, again, going back to an earlier point about being able to shape the narrative, one of the big challenges we have, have now in this world is polarised opinion, which is so polarised that we cannot understand or listen to or reach out to the person who has the alternative opinion. And in this case, the vaccinated majority in many countries are getting increasingly frustrated with the unvaccinated minority. And it's becoming more um, confrontational between the groups because the vaccinated people are saying, why should I not be able to do what I want to do just because of you, because you refuse to have the needle stuck in your arm? I didn't like having the needle stuck in my arm, but I did it because that was the right thing to do, etc. But by doing this, this creates a kind of polarized opinion on things. And it also, which is uh, problematic, it creates a sort of stigma against those who are unvaccinated. And again, to really reiterate this point, those people who are unvaccinated who are doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do are not going to change their mind and are not going to suddenly become all uh, open to everything if they are stigmatized and put into a box and, and made to feel like they are bad or stupid or the enemy. So as a journalist, I think it would be extremely helpful to really, really deeply try to understand what's driving that fear in those people the fear of vaccination. I mean, and I'm assuming there's a degree of fear in it, whether it's the fear of the vaccine, whether it's a fear of something um, which is they think is going to be within the vaccine, you know, this this uh, 5G thing or Bill Gates or whatever it may be, uh, or whether it may be that people don't trust the authorities and therefore they don't trust what the authorities are telling them. But then again, equally, many people in many countries don't trust the authorities, but they still get vaccinated. So just not trusting the authorities doesn't necessarily equate to not wanting to get vaccinated. So what can you do as a journalist? I would say listen very, very carefully and openly to the extent that you're able to those people who refuse to be vaccinated and try to understand what's driving them. Try not to be frustrated with them. Try to understand because it's really only through understanding and to a certain extent empathy that we're, we're going to be able to kind of cross this bridge and join hands and say, OK, we actually may not agree, but let's live together and try and understand each other. And I, I think this, this the polarization and the determination to 
make everything into us and them is is not not healthy for our society. So difficult and perhaps not a very satisfactory answer, but um, that's a su suggestion anyway. I think it's a perfectly satisfactory answer. You know, it, it reminds me, it's, it's trying to not make this political, even though we all know it is very political, but it's trying to depoliticize this and engage with one another on a very human level and trying to increase our level of understanding and awareness of one another and where everyone's coming from. John, I, I thank you so much for your time this this afternoon. But before we end off, um, I'm going to hit you with another kind of exercise, if you'll humor me, if you will. But if you'd be interested in doing sort of a short kind of role play conversation with me to put in motion these strategies that we've talked about today for journalists to better engage with people who are unvaccinated. Um, for interest's sake, would you um, would you play the journalist? I'm already a journalist, so I'd, I'd like to play something that's not myself, um, just to kind of flip, <laughs> okay. flip, flip the coin there. So if you could be the journalist, and then um, let's say if you ask me questions, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm, I'm not yet vaccinated. And then okay, we let's can, try you know, it. We can see okay, how it let's, goes. Let's okay, let's go. Let's see. Let's play this game. So, hi. Um, your name's Catherine, I understand. I'm a journalist, and I'm working for... The Globe newspaper, and I'm really interested in people in your community who have decided not to be vaccinated. And I understand you're one of them. And I'm just wondering if you can tell me why that is. What what made you decide not to be vaccinated? So, John, um, first up, I want to thank you for actually asking me my opinion on this because I find that in the media, people that aren't vaccinated are um, heavily stigmatized or people think we're making the wrong choice, but I, I think I'm making the right choice in that, you know, I'm not really sure what this vaccine is. Um, I don't really know what it's made of. And I, I'm not, you know, it's only been around for such a short period of time. So I'm not really sure if that's something that I'm interested in, in putting in my body at this point. But so, Catherine, tell me, where do you get your information about the vaccines from? Because um, you're you're pointing to some quite interesting issues. Where do you where do you look for your information? So um, I'm I'm busy. I work. I have kids. Um, I'm involved in things in my community. So I don't have a lot of time to you know read newspapers. I get quite bored reading newspapers. So um, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. So on social media and on social media. You know, I don't have to spend a lot of time reading reading the news. So, you know, when I read things, I get the information that that I want from them. And do you feel like this is something you can tell your friends and, and family that you don't want to be vaccinated? Do you feel comfortable to talk to people about this? So the more news I see, and again, you know, it's not news that I really want to watch because it's not engaging with people that don't want to be vaccinated. But, you know, a lot of the the, the news on TV is you know, saying that everyone must get vaccinated. And, you know, so in that sense, it makes me feel like I, I can't really have an opinion. Um, so I think people that I know also don't want to get vaccinated. I'll talk to them about it. But otherwise, I, I don't really feel like I can express my opinion so freely. Have you been have you been made to feel embarrassed or been stigmatized when you've talked about this with people? Definitely, um, which I, I don't really understand because I don't think we stigmatize people who who get the vaccine. So why are we stigmatizing people that don't get the vaccine? That's a good question. But do you worry about getting getting COVID? Um, I think, you know, it's been around for a long time now. It's been around for a couple of years. I haven't, you know, gone into hospital. Um, I'm not really concerned about going into hospital. I'm not really concerned about my kids or my family. 
getting really sick. So I don't know. I think it's it's kind of like flu. And if I if I was to if I was to describe you as an anti-vaxxer, how would you feel about that? Do you think that describes you as an anti-vaxxer? Yeah. No, I I I think that that term carries a lot of stigma. So I prefer to just be referred to as someone that just doesn't really want the vaccine, doesn't want this vaccine. Um, I mean, my my children have all been immunized with their childhood immunizations, um, but I don't think COVID is is like COVID's not like polio. It's not like smallpox. Um, at least that's the way I see it. Are you scared of needles? Well, I think nobody likes needles, so. <laughs> Catherine, thank you very much. I'm going to write a nice report about you. Thank you so much, John. Okay, so John, how was that for you? Um, I found that to be, uh, you, were, you were talking about in, in a way that I would have expected many people to talk, but I also feel like through this, we were kind of missing a, a, a deeper level of understanding. And I think, you know, you're looking, you're, you described about how you were looking on social media um, and things like that. And what I would want to do to go deeper into this, if I was the journalist, I would want to know more about what you're looking on in social media and how you consume social media, who you interact with on social media. I think that that to me would be something to go into a little bit more. Okay. So, and the other the other thing I found, by the way, was I, I had to stop myself being a public health person and trying. I was because I was like, oh, but what you should be doing, and I stand there. <laughs> uh, in, instead, instead of uh, trying to ask you the questions, I was trying. I was having to stop myself telling you, no, no, no. What it what it really should be is this. But there we go. That's that's the different roles that we have. But I I think that's great. You know, for me, um, it was interesting to hear that conversation as a journalist because. Um, well, pretending to be someone that's unvaccinated, I did feel that you, I, I didn't feel stigmatized by the questions that you asked. I didn't feel that they were stigmatizing. I felt that they were um, very fair questions. So hopefully our members can emulate that and avoid um, awkward conversations. Or I mean, I think it's always a bit awkward to talk about something that people aren't talking about so much. And mm. I think that mm. this is one of those things that um, mainstream media is not yet really honing in on. And I think that that's our next step globally is, you know, we have to address the elephant in the room, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would say one one just note of caution, which is that we don't want to normalize this kind of um, narrative of non-vaccination by presenting it. We don't want, to, one of the very important things that, it, that we should be doing is to normalize vaccination and anything else is somehow, I don't want to use the word aberration, but it's something we should not be pushing for. So- right. The, the, the purpose of this is to understand as a means of reaching out and trying to to perhaps find a solution so that that person will be vaccinated, not to say, oh, well, that's okay. That's what that person thinks. And that's a completely acceptable position. Right. So I, I, I would see this as part of a process rather than um, trying to sort of normalize it as being some another part of society, which is okay. That's that's the right. thing. Not, not stigmatize but rather understand and provide a means to move forward. Right. It's it's proactive reporting with a bit of an activist stance. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. So one one last thing, if I may, one of the things that I think uh, probably journalists all over the world struggle with is the massive amount of information that's available and being on a little bit unsure about what actually is, is the current status of play on a different issue. And I would just encourage people, please, 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 if you're unsure about something, check one of the big websites on the topic, one of the big public health websites, whether that's ECDC, whether that's WHO, or whether that's the US CDC. 
these three websites provide authoritative information and they're pretty well broadly aligned. We, we stay in touch with each other and always try and make sure that things are broadly aligned. They provide essentially the state of the art on a different topic. And so if you're unsure or if you're getting information about something which you don't really know about, check these three websites and you should be able to get some sort of expert analysis one way or another on, on that issue. The other thing, if I may, if you're a health journalist, if you haven't taken a course in basic epidemiology, please do so. And these are available online. Um, it's very, very important that you have an understanding so that when you're reading reports, whether they're scientific journals or whether they're from these different websites I've just been talking about, you can understand them in a proper way. And I think one of the benchmarks for this is, can you tell me the difference between incidence and prevalence? And if you cannot, you must take a course in, in basic epidemiology because these are two really important concepts. And if you mix them up, then you've lost your audience of professionals, that is. So please think about that and think about getting yourself to a level where you can talk on a par, or at least you can understand what the scientists are talking about. And uh, I just uh, really encourage that. Thank you so much, John. You've inspired me actually to go touch up on my um, epidemiological knowledge, so to speak. So I, we will definitely be posting some resources to the HJN website and also in the notes for this podcast. But again, John, thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And to our listeners, thank you so much for staying with us today. And we hope that you can go out and continue the um, excellent journalism work that you're doing all over the world. So thanks so much, everyone. The music from this episode is from Zapsplat, As Time Passes. 